0: What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true. Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath and Body, created Pit Liquor. You heard me right, Pit Liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found Pit Liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit litter is wonderful. They save my under of No more 20 under oven for me. So I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smells I guess, away. the way pit liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen i came across pit liquor online on instagram i saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their products so the difference between pit liquor and other natural deodorants is I do not stink. I tried several, several different brands, and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But Pit Liquor for me lasts all day. Pit Liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code Number One Fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag One Fan.
1: It's fun. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets Podcast, presented by in we go
2: Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was gonna knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You
3: should have taken a charge on him <laughs> <the fun> <laughs>
2: A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We were in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was gonna be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that. And I said, this kid's gonna be good. He turns out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a hall of famer once he's done playing.
1: And now here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark.
2: Welcome to the BSN Nuggets Podcast, Friday edition of the show. Today we are presented by Total Beverage, as we're presented by every day. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Some talk about Mason Plumley, Nuggets team as a whole. We'll look up and down the Northwest Division a little. Kind of give a sense of where the Nuggets might rank amongst what's probably the most competitive division, the best division in the league. First of all, I got to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners, courtesy of our friends at Total Beverage, If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering wine and liquor and beer and spirits, really anything you want to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. But for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app. That's the thing, though. You got to use their website and app. I used it last weekend. I used it the weekend before that. It's easy. It's fast. Delivered right to your door. And you only get that discount if you use promo code BSN10. So again, use promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app or website and get $10 off a $50 purchase for all your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. We are recording today from Greenfield's Bar. Where are we? Down in Lakewood? A couple blocks away from BSN headquarters. If you haven't checked these guys out, cool little bar. got pool tables pinball machines, tons of TVs. I'm pretty sure, Christian, there's one TV in this place for every table in this whole entire bar. But great spot to watch Broncos games. I'm sitting next to a poster that says, two for one Bud Light pitchers during Broncos games. So, I mean, do you need a better reason than that to check these guys out? The name of it is Greenfield's Sports Bar, Pool and Sports Bar, I believe. But down here in Lakewood, Make sure to check them out. Great food, great beers, great TVs, like I said. I want to talk about those games we saw last night first before we dive into some Nuggets talk. Nice little TNT doubleheader. I love those Thursday night doubleheaders, especially when we get into the quarter mark or the halfway point of the NBA season. We got another one the other night. I want to get your thoughts on those two games first here, though. Warriors and Raptors, was that a preview of maybe the NBA Finals? And... Clippers, Kings, are any of those two teams for real?
1: Well,
3: th- that was a great slate of games. And Harrison, before we go on, I, I kind of need to get your ruling on something. Um, in the first game, I-, I don't know if you saw this, it required some paying attention, but Kevin Durant walked by Drake, yeah. I believe going into halftime, and he gave him a titty twister. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm going to say t- titty twister. I'm not going to say nipple twister because alliteration, you guys – it's um, also called a titty twister. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a All common right. phrase. All right, I'm just making sure we're not going to kill a titty twister because it's a, it's a great phrase. Yeah. And it, it turns out, uh, Dragonfly Jones tweeted this, KD is a serial titty twister. He, he included a screenshot of him twisting Steph Curry's titty. And I've got to ask you, is twisting titties acceptable once you're past college age? No, it's not. Uh, unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. And
2: I can't even remember the last time... I performed a titty twister on somebody. This conversation is going off the rails.
3: Well, you can't be doing that once you're past college. Right. Yeah, once you're, once you're an adult, no more.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was not an acceptable
3: act from Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of weird, great <laughs> moments from that game. Drake apparently went over to Nick Nurse and just started, like, rubbing his shoulders at one point. During How the badly game. does Drake want to be on the Raptors? Oh, man, he loves putting himself in the center of attention at those things. But he is a great fan. I have to give him that.
2: He is a great fan. Yeah. He's He does look like an assistant coach at times, though. because He's got that seat like, kind of where he's like the Raptors version of the Nuggets Western Union CEO fan. He's got like that same seat right by the Nuggets bench. You know, sometimes Michael Malone might run into uh, Western Union CEO. His name is left my mind right now. But uh, his seat is so close to the Nuggets bench that sometimes Michael Malone will like rub up against him if he's running out to call a play or running out to call a timeout or whatnot. Drake is right there in that seat, though. It looks like he's almost an assistant coach sometimes.
3: Hikmet Ursek right. is the CEO of Western Hikmet. Union. Um, just a fixture at Nuggets games at Pepsi Center. Really passionate fan. Um, He was born in Turkey. Do You remember that Rockets game last year where yeah. he like kind of interfered with the ball that was going out of bounds, but the Rockets were trying to save it, and Malone was like, you know, afterwards, not so subtly, it was like, hey, fans need to stay in their seats.
2: Yeah, it was a shining moment. I got to imagine Malone's not too happy with how uh, active I'd say he is on, on the uh, sidelines, but he's a great fan, though, so I guess you, you got to have it. But, yeah, those games were great last night. What about Kevin Durant giving Drake his jersey after the game? Did you see that?
3: Yeah. I guess everybody is kind of gone that way now. Like, there's a lot of jersey exchanging. Is that from the Premier League? I feel like it started in soccer, It's a soccer thing
2: for sure. Then it's kind of gone over to the NFL. But usually it's, like, player to player. It's not player to celebrity fan slash wannabe member of the team. Not usually how that goes. Yeah.
3: that That was a little bit weird. My favorite Drake face all night was when Durant pulled up from, like, 37 feet and swished that three-pointer when the Warriors were making that big comeback in the first quarter, and Drake was like, oh, oh, my God. He just made, like, the O face, and and then they went to a commercial break.
2: Well, Drake was reacting to what I called last night Rucker Park Kevin Durant. That was vintage Kevin Durant as a guy who's looking up at the guys on the floor with him and seeing Damian Jones – wearing that headband type thing we talked about a few months back (laughs) on the show. He looks up and he sees Jonas Drebko and Quinn Cook and pretty much goes, all right, I'm just going to score the ball every time down the floor. Get to the corner, launch up a fadeaway 30-footer, bottoms. You know, get to the elbow, rise up, and knock a jumper down. Reminded me of what we saw at Rucker Park when Kevin Durant had that viral moment. What was that, during the NBA lockout years ago? But uh, he was on one last night. For me, this was a preview of the NBA Finals, I think. I thought Toronto's been the best Eastern Conference team all year, even with how well Milwaukee's come out of the gate. Giannis is like an MVP. I just think Toronto, a bit more balanced from top to bottom, a better bench. I think they've got the best player in the Eastern Conference too. Yeah, I think Kawhi's better than Giannis right now. So I think it's a NBA Finals preview, I would say. That I still expect
3: Golden State to win rather easily. Interesting. Kawhi better than Giannis. Oof. I don't know if I would go that far, but but Kawhi is pretty darn incredible right now. I would now. rather have Kawhi to win me a playoff game than oh. Giannis. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I definitely trust him more in the postseason. I don't know. If I was taking one player and trying to win the most out of 82 regular season games, I think I'd probably still go with Giannis. Potentially. Um, Kawhi... Doesn't look like he was hurt at all last year. Or at least, you know, he, he there wasn't um, much of an acclimation period. He was just really freaking good immediately, I'll say. Uh, yeah. I was texting a, a guy who, who trains NBA players last night, and I thought he had a, a, a great, I guess, analysis of Kawhi's game. He said, Kawhi plays pool ball. Can't speed him up, always gets to his spots. He's bigger than you and stronger than you. That was a perfect way to put it. It was like playing your older brother, you know, in pool. Did you guys, did you ever play pool basketball in Boulder growing up? Is that a thing?
2: I did play pool basketball from time to time. I get the analogy, though. It's spot on. He just pretty much looks at a spot on the floor, if it's the elbow or any spot on the floor. Pretty much says, I'm going to go there, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. He's so strong. I remember that uh, you had a video in one of your Golden Nuggets series earlier this year. I forget, was it Gary Harris driving the lane and just kind of shouldering somebody off of him? Yeah, it was Drew Holiday, Right, shouldering off Drew Holiday. That's pretty much just what Kawhi Leonard does on every single one of his drives. doesn't really matter who's on him, who's defending him, how much airspace they're giving him. He can create that contact and just get a guy off him with a sheer amount of, like, lower body, upper body strength. I don't know where it comes from, but the guy's just, like, incredibly strong and can get to any spot he wants. He can get up any shot he wants. And I'm not sure there's a defender who can really do much to stop him. Giannis... That's the matchup we all want to see, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. His ability to get to his spots, even though he's not a burner in any way. I mean, right. I mean, he's not like he's slow, but it's not like he's fast either. I mean, he's an incredible basketball player. He's just
2: super fundamental, really clean footwork, never makes a misstep, right? Like He's never going to take a step that he doesn't need to and unnecessary stride or whatnot. Yeah, always, there's no wasted motion in right, this game. There's no wasted motion, He's always going to get to the spot, and uh, he's probably going to score. He had 37 last night against the Warriors. Nobody on that team can stop him. I mean, it's not like you can put Draymond Green on him, I don't think, even if Draymond Green's healthy. Uh, I'm not sure how you slow down Kawhi Leonard if you're the Warriors. So that's maybe the saving grace that Toronto might have in a potential finals matchup. What do you think that series goes right now if those two were to meet?
3: or the Warriors completely healthy?
2: Yeah. Both teams are completely healthy. Uh, Five or six. Yeah. Probably. I mean, shoot. I'll say it, six, but it's probably going to be tough for the Warriors if it goes six, close out in Toronto on that home floor with Drake right there.
3: <laughs> That's going to be tough. <laughs> it would be funny. Uh, I mean, would get some enjoyment out of Drake's disappointment of another team closing out the finals on his home floor, well, even though I respect Drake as a fan.
2: Well, Drake is such a fair-weather fan. He probably... Root hard for the Raptors all game than try to like go in the Warriors locker room and party afterwards.
3: I don't think he's a Fairweather fan, man. I think he just appreciates greatness, but he roots for his team. He roots for his team.
2: But how shocked would you be if the Warriors clinched the finals in Toronto and pictures emerge the next morning of Drake out with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green that night? You yeah. know that's what would happen.
3: Uh, that's probably fair. There'd be a lot of uh, titty twist in that night. <laughs> What about that other game? The late
2: nightcap last night, Clippers-Kings. I said on this podcast uh, a couple days ago that I'm not buying the Clippers, not buying the Kings. I'm still not buying them. I'm still not buying them as like, a legitimate playoff contender. And maybe the Clippers pick up one of the final couple seeds in the uh, Western Conference. I'm not buying them as this front runner from the West, though. But... They're trying to sell me. Uh, they, they really are. It's a fun
3: team to watch. I think neither of them is playoff contenders. I mean, definitely not the Kings. Okay, yeah, I don't think the Kings are making it, but I think the Clippers are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, that game was fun as hell. You know, we were talking to our buddy Adam during the game, and, and he said the Lakers are the fourth best team in California right now. <laughs> and right, I agree with them, which right. is pretty crazy to think about. That game was so fun. I mean, Darren Fox doesn't move from side to side as much as he teleports. Like, that guy is a blur. It's like trying to catch water in your hands. Is he the fastest player in the league from baseline to baseline? He's probably who I would put my money on. You know, John Wall's been spending a lot of time at Rosebud lately, so yeah. John Wall held that title for a
2: season or two. It's got to be between De'Aaron Fox and Russell Westbrook right now. And maybe Russell Westbrook is – I don't know if he's faster or quicker. I feel like he's one of the two. Maybe he's a little quicker – like, with his first step, but De'Aaron Fox is faster end-to-end, maybe. He's got a higher top-level speed.
3: I'm not sure. Yeah, I would, I would put my money on Fox. He is just insane. That, that play to end the first half was crazy, where he split the, uh, the pick and roll, and then he threw that lob perfectly.
2: How impressive was that opening night win for the Nuggets, though, over the Western Conference leading Clippers? I mean, we didn't think much of it at the time. Look, it's tough to win anywhere opening night on the road thought the Clippers would be a solid, pesky team this year. Maybe cap out at like 40 wins, and they'll probably get above that, which will put them in contention for a playoff spot most likely. But we thought that was a good win. Maybe we're still not giving it enough credit because it's probably one of the most impressive wins of the year for sure. You got that Thunder win. The Warriors win at home. Those might be your top two, especially because the Nuggets were on the second night of a back-to-back against Golden State. That Clippers win is right up there, though. Maybe two, maybe three. That Thunder win, though, without Gary Harris might be the top one for me. But uh, Clippers team is fun, man. Uh, They're playing together right now. It's fun watching a team without a star player kind of get after it and
3: put some wins together. Yeah, Gallo has played really well this year. Their their bench is just ridiculous. I mean, Lou Williams is doing Lou Williams stuff. He's not shooting the ball quite as well as he did last year, and I'll probably pick up, but Montrezl Harrell is just ridiculous, man. He is one of the funnest guys in the league to watch right now, I think. Probably a
2: leader for sixth man of the year right now, I would say. I've got an article up on bsndenver.com, which we'll talk about in a second, but I kind of broke down the uh, some basic stats for – some six men of the year candidates how Mason Plumley would stack up against them Harold's right in there he could be a legitimate player for six man of the year and it's crazy because you don't typically see a lot of big men win that award typically it goes to a guard a wing who's scoring 17 18 points per game maybe it goes to a big man this year you, you know mean, that if I, I thought I, Michael Malone had it his way it'd probably go to Mason Plumley
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you gotta you got to stick up for your guys. Um, just one more note about Harold. You, you know that I, I'm a big fan. I, I value celebrations quite a bit. Mm. Shout-out to the Lopez brothers, one of them doing the put the cigarette celebration out, the other one doing the dip the teabag and drink the tea. Two of the best I've seen this year. I, I enjoyed Harold's simple blow a kiss to the crowd celebration after he iced the game with that oop last night. Where
2: do you fall on the James Harden nosebleed celebration? It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. It needs to go. He was, like, calling for the trainer. Yeah. It's gone too far. I I don't even – I mean, I get it, but does anybody think that's actually funny? Too many yes men around Harden if he's still doing that. After the first or second time, you would think one of – I think Chris Paul or P.J. Tech would be like, all right, James, we get it. It's terrible.
0: This podcast is presented by Inwego, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spano's here and he's going to tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, guys, this year alone I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals, I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. <laughs>
0: if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with Inwego to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to Inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month try it and fall in love with it like we did here at bsn denver go to inwego.com slash bsn or download the app for free and use promo code bsn50 on the
2: subject of six men of the year candidates i think we know mason Plumley's probably not going to win six men of the year he's not going to have the counting stats and look he's only playing 17 minutes a game right now so he's not even one of the highest impact guys off the nuggets bench in terms of a Pure minute per game perspective, but the impact he's had, it's been undeniable, right? And Michael Malone spoke about this at practice the other day. He said, from an impact standpoint, he should be a six man of the year candidate. In my mind, when you look at this Nuggets bench, the key to everything is Monte Morris. He's been the initiator, the catalyst of this Nuggets bench unit, but the role that Mason Plumlee's filled, the importance that he's had to this bench unit is right up there in my mind if Monte Morris is 1a I think Plumley's probably 1b
3: yeah I mean they're almost identical in terms of impact in my mind both have been so so valuable I think that's probably my favorite nugget storyline honestly a quarter of the way in just just this bench unit kicking ass with Monte Morris and Mason Plumley as its leaders First, I mean, those two guys have such great chemistry together. I, I believe they've already hooked up on nine Oluf Dunks this year. Like, basically one every other game so far. Um, and Plumlee has just been a superstar in, in his low-usage role. Um, you know, he's playing the fewest minutes of his career, fewer than he did as a rookie. You know, he's creating so many turnovers. He, he's third on the, steam, the team in, in stocks, steals, plus blocks. And in such a low number of minutes, blowing up pick-and-rolls. I mean, there there really aren't enough good things you can say about Mason Plumlee right now. The coolest part about Plumlee's year to me, think back to last year. He was kind of the guy
2: a lot of Nuggets fans would assign blame to after a lot of losses. He was playing a lot of minutes next to Nikola Jokic. A lot of Nuggets fans didn't like that lineup. I don't think either of us were huge fans of that lineup, although the numbers did bear it out that the Nuggets did play winning basketball with those two on the floor together we haven't seen that lineup that much this year but he got a lot of blame last year for uh offense and defense No, you know he, he wasn't as efficient as he was has been this year on the offensive end of the floor and he just didn't seem to have the same impact defensively last year this year that script is kind of flipped though right it definitely seems like fans are starting to really appreciate the value mason Plumlee has brought to this team in his backup role and that's probably been the coolest part of it to me he's getting some much deserved appreciation for uh the job he's done the Nuggets have always held him in high regard but he hasn't always got that same respect from uh, outside the organization I would say so that's been the coolest thing for me to see I think just for uh people to start really appreciating what he's bringing to the table on both ends of the floor like you mentioned he's been really efficient on offense but He's
3: been the anchor defensively, too. Plumlee is so athletic, and I don't think that's something that you really noticed last year. I think his athleticism is popping this year because he had that surgery to to the core muscle this offseason, and he he just looks kind of rejuvenated after that. And uh, I think that athleticism, he gets to show it off a little more, too, because he's got a great point guard to throw him those lobs. He's such a good rim-running center, and, you know, Emmanuel Moody probably had, had trouble finding him on those plays last year, Monte right. Morris is so good at that. Just just think about some of the plays Plumley has made this year too. Like that that OKC game really sticks out. He had that left handed take where he got the n one. It's like what? Like Mason yeah. Plumley can do that. He had that block late in the game that essentially sealed it. Where he jumped up to contest a shot, and on the way down he he blocked Stephen Adams' shot while he was going up. That was another crazy athletic play. You know the athleticism is really standing out. And then I think one thing that. You can't tell if you're just a fan at home and not in the locker room. Is Mason Plumlee is an incredible locker room guy. I mean, just no complaints, even though the minutes probably aren't where he would ideally like them. Sure. He, he's a great teammate. I mean, he's such an unselfish guy. I highlighted that play in my piece about Plumley today,
2: which you can read on bsndenver.com. If you're not subscribed, you guys are missing out, man. I'd say 75% of our content is on bsndenver.com, and our other 25% is the free podcast that uh, we put out on iTunes and Stitcher. Try to get them on Spotify. Had a couple of you guys reach out to me about putting the podcast on Spotify, so I'll see if we can get that done. But that play against Oklahoma City, not only the athleticism it takes to pull off that play, talk about the flexibility it takes from a seven-footer to jump up and contest a Russell Westbrook shot at the rim turn contort his body in midair so he's facing Stephen Adams and swipe that ball before Adams is able to go up with it incredible amount of athleticism and flexibility it takes from Plumley to do that one so that play was really impressive and I'd agree with you what you said about him in the locker room spoke with Plumley a couple days ago for this piece and you know he made it clear that he'd rather be starting as would probably every player in the league, right? He would rather be in the starting lineup, but he recognizes that Nikola Jokic is a great player. Paul Millsap is a great player. His best role right now and the role the Nuggets need him to fill is off the bench, and he's prioritizing team success over individual numbers and individual statistics that could go away towards getting him a bigger contract when this deal is up. I have no doubt in my mind that he wants to be a starting center in this league again at some point maybe that's when this contract is up in two years but for now he's fitting in and he's fine playing that role he's he's fine playing that role as long as the Nuggets are winning
3: yeah I mean that that definitely speaks to his unselfishness you can tell that him and Nicole Jokic have a great relationship I think Nicole Jokic went out in a limb and, and said that Mason Plum is the most underrated player in the league this week so yep. those two guys definitely get along and You know, Plumlee could be a a starting center on a decent team. He was a starting center on that Trailblazers team that went to the Western Conference semifinals that knocked off Houston that year, I believe. So he's done it before. And, you know, I I think he definitely, as a rim-running center on a team with solid pick-and-roll guards, is the fit for him. But, yeah, man, he's been unbelievable this year. It's got to be so tough, right, to go
2: from – a starting center on a playoff-caliber team in Portland where he was viewed as probably one of the better players on that team next to Lillard and McCollum. Alfru Camino was on that team. But to go from that to a reserve role has got to be tough for a guy like Plumlee who's still in his prime, 28 years old, still got a bunch of years left in this league. But uh, he told me he was surprised when that trade went down, wasn't expecting it at all. But Portland got off to a rough start that year. Remember two years ago, the eight seed in the West was a toss-up between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, and both those teams were, what, five games under five hundred for most of the second half of that season, and then both kind of turned it on at the end. So, Portland needed to shake up. I don't think Plumlee saw that trade coming. Maybe he should have, though.
3: Yeah, um, I like the point you made in your Plumlee story, too, where you know in the end it it did work out positively for both teams and we often like to think of there has to be a, a winner and a loser when you do these trades you know clearly in the initial part of it portland was a winner and denver was a big loser that was a real kick in the nuts when yusuf Nurkic said i wish those guys a happy summer and essentially eliminated denver that first year but now here we are you know almost two seasons down the road and I think it was a positive for both teams. There's there's no doubt in my mind that the Nuggets are a better team with Plumlee in there at backup than, than Nurkic. That was just an untenable situation. And, and, you know, really, that was a situation that happened because the Nuggets are so good at drafting. They drafted <laughs> two really good centers. Nurkic would have probably loved it here if he'd been the starting center and, and paid like one of the guys. True. That's a case where how good
2: the Nuggets have been at drafting came back to bite them. They drafted the two franchise centers. What are you going to do? Toss your hands up and move one of them, man. That's what ended up happening.
3: Yeah, I mean, listening to what Nurkic just said, he seems to think that the communication could have been better from the coaching staff. I I don't really know the details. I'm not going to go into them. But Nurkic, I'll say this. I don't think he was ever going to be happy unless he was a starting center somewhere.
2: Sure. And he is a starting caliber center. So he should be a starter. I think that trade, it raised the ceiling of Portland. Nurkic is probably a better player than Mason Plumlee in a vacuum. Take out whatever team they're on and what role they're playing. Yusef Nurkic is probably a better player than Mason Plumlee. He raises Portland's ceiling. But you definitely get the feeling that Plumlee on this team, instead of Nurkic, made the Nuggets a better team as well. So it was a win-win for both teams, a rare win-win. You don't see that too often in the NBA trade world. But the Nuggets and Blazers certainly both benefited from that trade, I think. And the other thing about it is, look, the Nuggets would have had to pay Nurkic eventually. He got the contract extension from Portland. There's no way the Nuggets would have been able to pay him that type of money. So it's a moot point, though. But I think both teams came out better from that deal. And the Nuggets now, they have arguably one of the best backup centers in the league. He's playing like it this year. So only playing 17 minutes a game. That's all the Nuggets really need him to play, but this is another point I made in my article. He's giving the Nuggets 17 A-plus minutes a night, right? It, maybe a+. if he was playing 25 minutes, he'd be playing at an A-plus level, and then he'd drop down, and then he'd have a couple good possessions here, a couple bad possessions there. He's giving the Nuggets 8 plus minutes. He's playing at his top level for really the entire duration of however long he's out there a night, and that's, that's a good thing going in the Nuggets' direction too. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
0: When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado
1: craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Cake House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates
0: their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs.
1: My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs, it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere.
0: If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Cake House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today, and don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order.
2: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. We're recording today from Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar down in Lakewood. Make sure to check these guys out. Mentioned it earlier in the show, I think they have one TV for every table in this place. But they got food, beer, too, pool tables, arcade games, two-for-one Bud Light pitchers during Broncos games. Cool spot down in Lakewood if you're in the area. We got a question on the Total Beverage fan hotline about how the Nuggets stack up In the Northwest Division, probably the best division in basketball, but we're a quarter of the way through the season, a little over a quarter of the way through the season. How do we view the Nuggets in comparison to these other Northwest Division teams? If you have a question for the show, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Let's go there right now.
0: Hello, this is Corey from Florida. Once again, um...
3: I wanted to get your guys' opinion on where the Nuggets stand in our division, the Northwest Division. We have Oklahoma City, have the Utah Jazz, have uh Portland and Utah Minnesota, as well as us, Denver. So do you think the Nuggets are the best team in the Northwest Division?
0: So that's one question. And if not do you think we will soon assert ourselves as the best team in the division? Appreciate
3: all the work you guys do. Got a division game coming up tonight against Portland. Hopefully we do well. Go Nuggets.
2: Thanks, Corey, for the question. This is a good one because the Nuggets have a Friday night showdown against a Northwest Division rival in Portland. Nationally televised game here on Friday night. You want the first crack at this one?
3: Where do the Nuggets rank for you in the Northwest Division? I think it's pretty close between OKC and Denver as the best team. Um, OKC has been killer on defense, even though they Andre Roberson hasn't played at all this year. They're, they're number one in defensive efficiency by a pretty significant margin right now. Oh man, I, I know Denver just won in OKC without two starters, but I would probably go, you know, where I think they're going to finish. OKC one, Denver two. Um, Portland 3, Jazz 4, and Mini 5. So you've got the Jazz over Minnesota. You think Jazz are going to bounce back here. Yeah. And Portland 3rd over the Jazz. I don't know. How how high do you see the Jazz climbing? Because, look, they're not going to finish 14th in the conference. Right,
2: right. I don't think they're going to finish 3rd. I'll tell you that. I think they'll still... I'll still take the Jazz to make the playoffs, which... Is that crazy? I'm not sure. Still a good team. They still have Rudy Gobert, who has not been playing at a Defensive Player of the Year level, but is still a seven-foot steel wall at the rim. Donovan Mitchell, I think, will round into form. They got Kyle Korver, which will help a little bit. Maybe they could make another move, maybe for an auto porter, I don't know, in the near future. I think they'll be all right. They're not gonna get the three seed, but a playoff appearance is still possible. You know, I'll take the Nuggets number one overall in the division. If we're saying every team is fully healthy, I'll take the Nuggets first overall. I'll go Thunder second, Portland third, Jazz fourth, Minnesota fifth. Minnesota's tough. They've been playing really well. They've won seven of their last ten. They're on a four-game winning streak. The defense is back with Covington, with Charch. but I don't know. Now this is Towns' team again. It's such a tough division. I think that's what we're coming around to. It's definitely the best division in basketball, right?
3: Yeah, I think pretty clearly in – you know, I think as early as next year, Denver is going to be the, the clear-cut best team probably. Um, but just this year, I mean, OKC and, and Denver are right there in my mind. And, man, I would kill for, like, an OKC-Denver 4-5 series in the playoffs or something Ooh, like that. There have that, been some yeah. great matchups the last two years. That would be a knockdown, drag it out. That
2: would be like a bar fight. Russell Westbrook, Nikola Jokic, that, that would be something. Not a long uh, flight either, which would be good for us.
3: You know, as far as Portland goes, um, kudos for them for just staying the course. Um, True, they could have just like blown things up, and they've gotten off to this this pretty good start here. They almost reportedly fired Terry Stotts in the off season. You know, I think Dame Dame Lillard has to give a ton of credit for that. That guy is just incredible. The way he he's able to unite teammates and, and kind of lift them up, I and mean, we we saw that effect when. Yusuf Nurkic got traded there, his ability to, to build him up. I think they should try to make a play for Otto Porter, probably. I mean, they've got Nurkic and Collins, two pretty good centers. Maybe throw one of them at the Wizards for Otto Porter. Right, and if the Wizards, if their main
2: objective is to clear their books and start this thing over around Bradley Beal, you got to think they target Zach Collins in that, the guy on the rookie deal. I don't know if they want to trade for Nurkic's salary right now. But, yeah, Otto Porter would make this team better for sure. The number one pet peeve of mine, I got to say, when uh, people talk about a team like Portland, who was the three seed last year, and I know they were only the three seed by a game. They're only a couple games separating them and Denver, who is ninth. But the people out there that say, no, they got to blow it up. They're never gonna win an NBA championship, so they gotta, you know, they gotta trade McCollum. They gotta blow this thing up. Like that's just never how a team operates or thinks, or whatever, you know, run their organization. It's just not realistic to how these multi-million-dollar corporations act. Like, you're not just gonna blow something up because you might not win a championship with this current iteration of players and tank towards the lottery. It's just not how things work.
3: Yeah I mean if you're especially if you're a small market franchise and your number one goal is just to give the fans a good product night in and night out I wouldn't even blame you if that's your number one objective over winning a championship. Um, I don't I don't know if I was like owning a team that's necessarily what I would do but I I can't I can't blame that approach at all. I mean there's nothing wrong with with trying to win, you know, between 45 and 51 games every year. For sure.
2: You got anything else on the Northwest Division there?
3: Um, I, th- I saw somebody call Andrew Wiggins Yi Jin Lin on a max contract. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny.
2: Hasn't he been playing better, though? Hasn't he been playing better?
3: Oh, I think he had, like, that one good game, and then he's been terrible after that. Has he? <laughs>
2: Oh, that's good. That's good.
3: What do you think about some of
2: these other uh Western Conference playoff staples who have kind of limped out of the gate here? Like Houston. How worried are you about Houston at nine and eleven?
3: Oh, uh, I mean I'm pretty worried. Um you know, if, if Chris Paul only plays like if he plays like half the games I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. They I mean, just don't have a lot of guys.
2: They're um, relying on Gary Clark, a rookie. They're relying on a couple other two-way guys, I think. They just don't have a lot of guys. I guess that's what happens when you bring in Carmelo Anthony, and then that's a disaster. And you have a lot of injuries. Gerald Green's injured right now. The thing I'm most concerned about with the Rockets is last year, defensively, they were great. thought they'd take a step back defensively. I didn't think they'd fall off this much. On the season, they're 28th in defense. They're 9th in offense. They're pretty much the profile of the Nuggets from last year. Over their last five games though, their defense has been so bad. They're giving up 124.7 points per 100 possessions. That's last in the league by a healthy margin. Portland is 29th over that span, giving up 119.6. So I'm a little concerned about the Rockets. They have their assistant Jeff Bizdelic back who's their defensive coordinator. Doesn't seem to be able to work that magic yet. So I'm a little concerned uh, about Houston, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, this idea that, you know, a lot of people made a big deal out of, oh, they're unbeatable when when Harden, Paul, and Capella plays. I mean, those three guys are are obviously an incredible trio, but I think there was more that went into it than just those three guys, you know, being healthy for them. I mean, they had great wing depth last year, and this year not so much. I want to close here by asking you one question, which
2: I texted a couple different groups of Nuggets media last night about this question. Just some friends as well, trying to get a lot of people's opinions. I probably texted about 10 people, got eight different answers. But the question is, if you had to put your house on the line and bet your house on one team to make the playoffs in the Western Conference outside of Golden State, who would you bet your house on? Um, probably OKC first, and then, honestly, Denver. Yeah. Denver's up there. I think that's the point that I got from what everybody had to say last night about who that team was. Some people said the Thunder. I got some Houston responses even. Got some Lakers responses, which I don't feel like is the worst bet in the world, the Lakers. The Nuggets are right there, right? Like They're one of the most... I don't wanna say they're consistent because they went nine and one, then they won six to seven, and now they won four games, but they have arguably the second most talent in the Western Conference and that's something we've been saying on this podcast for quite a while. And I don't know. I might bet it on Denver. I don't know.
3: I mean I, I don't think that's crazy. The only the only way I see Denver not making the playoffs is if if something serious happens in Nicole Jokic and let's all collectively knock on wood a couple times together. But that's really the only way. I mean, I think they've got enough depth to sustain pretty much anything else. The Lakers might be my next team I
2: go to there. Not because I, there's a chance they finish with, like, the second or the third seed in the West, but I just can't imagine a scenario where LeBron Jays misses the playoffs. All right, well, thanks for listening, guys. Another great week of podcasts. Nuggets got a tough one Friday night. This is going to be a test because this Nuggets defense has been so solid. But the Lillard-Nurkic pick and roll has killed Denver for years. Really, ever since that trade that we just talked about for 20 minutes was made. It's been a thorn in Denver's side. So we'll see if this new-look Nuggets defense can combat that pick and roll. Also, Portland's just a damn tough place to play. It's a tough arena with loud fans so we'll see if nuggets are for the challenge we'll see if they can get the win and we'll talk with you guys next week
0: Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything, finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to. And I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236.